everybody. It is your boy Andres, and we're back with another episode, episode six, Return of the Jedi, just like Return of the Sports, fellas. Today with my co-host Eric. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. It's a good morning. I'm ready to talk about this. You got some good topics. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Still breathing, still healthy, knock on wood. So can't complain about that. Sure. And we got another member from the Shirt vs. Skin podcast, my friend Ahmed. Ahmed, how you doing, sir? What's up, fellas? Uh so good to be here and let's take it. I appreciate let's go. you coming on, sir. So today we're here to talk about the NBA starters. Now it's a controversial topic because there's like 40 players that are worthy, but obviously only 24 get in. Ahmed, since you're our guest today, who are your starters for the Eastern Conference? Yeah, but like you said, it's tough. There's so many guys, especially in the East, they're gonna have to miss out. But yeah, uh, my starters for the East, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Giannis, Bradley Beal, and Jalen Brown at the moment. That's my starters for the East. And who do you have on your bench? Again, bro, there's so many guys I'm going to have to miss out, but I'll go with uh, Trey Young, James Harden, Sabonis, Julius fucking Randall from New York Knicks, <laughs> Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving. And uh, I'll put Jimmy Butler on there right now. Oh, you, you just put him right there. All right. All right. All right. Not a bad list. Yeah, I'll just put him on there. <laughs> Eric, the floor is yours. All right. For the East starters, I have it the exact same way. I have Jalen Brown, Bradley Beal, Giannis, KD, and Embiid, which it's weird for once not seeing Harden as a starter. But nice. I don't know. I feel like these guys are just more deserving as of right now. You could argue Beal, I guess, because of how bad the team has been. But I feel like he's still been performing individually is good to be a starter. And then on the bench, I have Tatum, Sabonis, Levine, Randall, Trey, Harden, and Kyrie. I was thinking about Vucevic, but nah, I, I think he'd be that one person off. I might be forgetting someone, but that's who I have as of, have as of right now. Um, me personally, um, I feel like Harden hasn't played enough games as a member of the Eastern Conference. That doesn't mean he's not an all-star. So I'm going to go with the same five, Beal, Brown, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Embiid. Um, shout out to Kevin Durant because he's averaging 30 points per game off an Achilles tier, which is the worst injury in sports. And a lot of people thought that he was going to come back like um, a quarter of the player he was. If you know basketball, you see you see which leg he tore his Achilles in, and you knew he was going to be just fine, which was the off leg. Then on my bench, um, Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine. Shout out to Zach Levine and what he's doing this season. Harden, Kyrie, Sabonis, Randall, and Trey. I want to squeeze Tatum in there somewhere, but it's it's hard. I mean, it, it depends on what the NBA is going to reward. If they're going to reward record, if they're going to reward stats. We all know how that works. That every year the narrative changes. Um, Eric, who do you got for the West? The starters for me, the starters for the West was pretty easy to be honest. I think the only I have Dame and Curry as the guards. I feel like the only difference you could really make is maybe sliding Luke in there. But I think Dame and Curry are both more deserving as of right now. And then LeBron, obviously, he's top two in MVP right now. You got to have him up there. And then Kawhi and Jokic, Jokic who's also up there in MVP. Kawhi who's also. I think those five starters. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, what about your bench? I have Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Anthony Davis, 
Zion, Chris Paul, and shout out to Christian Wood from the Rockets. I'm keeping him on there. I'm oh, sorry about Gobert not having him on there, but I, I'm putting Christian Wood. Um, do you feel like Anthony Davis has done enough to be an all-star this year? I don't want to turn this into an eighth slander <laughs> fest. I promise. Um, yeah, we're very objective know. here, the sports fellas. But do you mm-hmm. think that AD's done enough this year to be an all-star? I think he's underperformed a lot for his standards, but I think his standards are that much higher than the rest of the NBA. That even him underperforming still deserves an all-star spot. But I do have to say, I did think it was kind of close. Like, I, he was one of the last names I wrote down, honestly, because I know he's been struggling and he's missed a couple games and stuff. So it was tough for me to have him on there. I think he's averaging 23 points still, 23 and nine still. He's playing good defense. Like, I, I think he still deserves it as of right now. Ahmed, who was on your list, brother? Yeah, um, just before we go back to that, uh, like, you brought up Kevin Durant, right? And he's Absolutely. playing 37 minutes. Yeah. He's playing 37 minutes per game all around that. Let me ask you, like, do you feel comfortable with that? Especially a guy who's like 31 years old or something like that. And I mean, so the problem, the problem with that is the problem with that is a lot of people are saying that Kevin Durant shouldn't be in the MVP combo because of missed games. Eric, I'm not throwing subs at you. Um, but why are you going to ask Kevin Durant to play 40 minutes on back-to-back nights? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it, that's so unfair. Matter. You know what I mean? So, like, when they played the OT game against the Cavs, that man was playing, like, 43, 44 minutes. So, it's just like, why? You know, it's just like a – it's a game in January. It's a game in February. Like, you want him playing in April, May, June, July even. Yeah. Yeah, especially this year. All you got to do is get in. You know, there's no fans. There's no real, you know, like, actual home court advantage. Just get in, and, you know, that's all that matters. But, yeah, just going back to my West, the West uh, is a little easier, I would say. I got Joker as my starter, LeBron James, Kawhi, Steph Curry, and Dame. Uh, then I got uh, Paul George, Luka, Mitch, C. Wood, Christian Wood, that is, Devin Booker, and Zion Williamson. Not a bad list. I got to agree with you guys here. I'm going Dame, Steph, LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. Shout out to Jokic and Embiid for bringing back the big man because what they're doing this year is like must-watch TV. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying that the big man is dead, that everyone is – it's a shooting three league. But they're doing – they're shooting threes, and they're doing it very efficiently. So if it's not broke, then don't fix it. Then it's hard to ignore what the Jazz are doing. This season, if you want to look at strength of schedule, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But it's hard to discredit Mitchell, Gobert. And then I'm going to go with my guy, Paul George, my guy, Chris Paul, A. Disney, or Mr. Anthony Davis, Zion, Luca, and I just have Fox missing the playoffs. I mean, missing the All-Star game, sorry. So um, I think the only real difference is that me and you, Andres, both have Chris Paul while he has Devin Booker. That seems to be the only real difference in the West, which – I mean, I can understand both. I can understand having either, to be honest. I'm just – we always talk about being unbiased, but I have to admit I'm a little biased towards Chris Paul. No, I mean – We're objective, bro. You're definitely right. Like, Chris Paul is the main reason why they're winning. But, I mean, Devin Booker is just – Yeah, he's he's putting up, you know – yeah, for sure. I don't think it's a bad shout at all to have Devin Booker on there. He, he, I mean, I was watching that game against the Bucks, and he was – 
he was looking really good down the stretch. He was uh, his mid range. That's what I love about him. Oh, is yeah, he, yeah. he he actually shoots the mid range. Him and Chris Paul, and that's what why I think I enjoy watching the Suns a lot. The mid range is dead. And that's what they were saying. It's so annoying, and it's freaking the Rockets' fault why that's happening. Steph Curry's fault, really. Yeah, that's he, true. He, he changed the league. Ahmed, so last episode, we were talking about Chris Paul, right? And um, Eric made a comment how winning follows Tom Brady. So I made the the rebuttal to that, and I said that winning can also follow Chris Paul. Um, with what the Suns are doing this year, they're 15-9, and nine, they're the fourth seed. Is it safe to say that winning follows Chris Paul everywhere he goes as well? I mean, yeah, you can definitely say that. But in the regular season, for sure, uh, in the playoffs, you know, it's a, it's a little it's a little different. Um you know, you go back to his uh, to his Hornets days. He was always, you know, always in the first round, second round. Uh, didn't really have, you know, great players. You know, he had David West around him and stuff like that. Um, then he goes to the Clippers, and he's got, you know, like a big three. Obviously, you know, he's supposed to win. But in the playoffs, they never really went to the Western Conference Finals. So that's, you know, a little disappointing. The Rockets, um, you know, a lot of people say that in that 2018 or 2019 run that he was the best player on that team. Uh, and they almost almost went to the finals. And I, I heard you guys talking about if the Rockets play the Cavs. I mean, the Rockets are beating the Cavs all day, like, if they make to the NBA finals. Uh, Thank you. The Cavs were in shambles that season. So, um, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul is definitely a winner. But he's... I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, like my guy, like, you know, you got Melo, you got James Harden, all these guys, you know, they just, they got to do in the playoffs. No, I agree. Yeah. He's, he's been having a pretty unfortunate career throughout so, the playoffs. This is going to, this is going to sound funny coming out of me. So, um, Who's the number one point guard that people slander for um, choking in the playoffs that you guys think? Number one point guard. I mean, people do trash Curry a lot, but I don't no, know. No, no, but besides they... him, who's the other guy? Used to uh, be like Kyle Larry, and now I would say – People trash Dame a lot and stuff. Dame but... a little bit, right? So – I don't get that. From 2014 to 2020, Dame won four playoff series, right? Mm-hmm. From 2008 until 2017, before Chris Paul's first year as a Rocket, guess how many playoff series Chris Paul won? Four. I Two? I want to know. Yeah. Four. So they won the same amount of playoff series. And listen, those are my guys, so I could, like, slander them, quote-unquote, but it's just funny. It's like a crazy-ass stat that I didn't think I would come across. But, yeah, yeah it, it, it's insane. I, I do feel like CP3 deserves his flowers, though. I mean, he's 35, he's balling. All these guys, man. I mean, I feel like we're getting old. Like, me and Eric talk about this all the time. Like, the guys we grew up watching, they're not young anymore. It's just scary because we're getting older. Oh, yeah. I mean, once Kobe Bryant retired for me, you know, it was it was like the beginning of the end. His, his final game is still probably, like, other than maybe the 2016 finals, which was the same year, that's probably, like, the greatest basketball moment I've ever seen. Just that, It was such a Kobe way to go out like that. Yeah, it was like straight out of a movie. You know, like Derek Jeter and those kind of guys, they always have, you know, just special things to have. Yeah, it literally made for Hollywood and everything like that. Yeah, Derek Jeter's final game at Yankee Stadium, you really couldn't have written it any better. Come on, bro. It's it's ridiculous. A walk-off against the Orioles, it was just – it was crazy. 
And he was down in the uh, in the count too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I think he was one and two. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Moving on to our second and last topic of the day. I know we don't have three today, but I I promise. Um, turn the headphones up. It's gonna be a good one. We're talking about goats in sports. So me and Eric, we were talking about this um a while ago. How is Tom Brady the greatest of all time sports guys? <laughs> so then um. The next day, I was listening to Ahmed's podcast, and they were talking about it, too. And it's just like great minds think like, you know what I'm saying? So yes, <laughs> um, me and Eric determined that why don't we do an episode where we talk about the goats in every sport? And me and Ahmed were talking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Let's make it happen. So Ahmed, for, for football, or as Americans like to call it, soccer, who do you have as your goat? The greatest player of all time right now is Cristiano Ronaldo. I think the fact that he's got the uh, the Euros with Portugal that slight, slightly puts him over Messi. Um, you can make the argument who's the better player, but the greatest is Ronaldo. Eric? Ooh. Okay, so maybe I'm letting you infect my mind, Andres, because I have Messi written down, but this is the second straight guest we've had say Ronaldo, so maybe I need to start listen, listening man, to them listen, instead man. of you. Listen, my boy Tifu is a very biased person. Okay? <laughs> no, he's he's you know he's like a fanboy, you know. But me, I have I have no I have no ties. I just, I mean, if Messi would have won anything with Argentina, oh then my god, there is there is no discussion. But dang, so so you're saying the one thing stopping Messi from surpassing him is if he wins with Argentina? Not, not true. Not We're true. still waiting for that ball to you know come, come down from the penalty. What happened the previous year, bro? He lost, no? He was the <laughs> only one that scored, though. Who, uh, Messi? Yes, in the penalty. Oh, I mean, we expected to store, uh, like, like to score, but not everyone could beat. Not everyone could take the fifth penalty. Yeah, it's the, the first it, penalty but... is the most pressure. You know who takes that one? No, Messi. Nah, I, I feel. Did. I feel like. I feel like the first and fifth are all. You know, tough. nah. The first I mean, one is. Remember, remember Ronaldo hit the uh, the game winner in in the Champions League final. Or yeah, in 2016. Yeah, but yeah, that's, and the penalties. That's what I'm saying, but like every, throughout Ronaldo's career, he's never been the first one to take the penalty. Every oh yeah, he likes he likes waiting for fifth because he wants to, you know like like all the praise if they they make it. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't mean to turn this into a Messi Ronaldo debate. <laughs> who do you who do you have as your soccer goat, bro? Talk to me. I I have Messi written down, but I, I'm not like super strong on that opinion. Because I'm sure both of y'all know more about that whole debate and everything. I also saw some people I was uh, asking around to see what other people thought. I did see some people saying Maradona. Yeah. I don't know if no. I don't know if he has an argument over either of them, but I saw some I, people saying that. For me, from what I know, and since I've been getting into soccer or football, it's still between like Messi or Ronaldo. Whenever I hear people talk about it. So as of right now, I should have Messi written down because even before we started this, you were talking about all the records Messi holds and stuff. And yeah, for me, that just people, honestly. puts him a little over. But I, I wouldn't be like – I can understand someone having Ronaldo. So, um, Ahmed, me, me and – well, we were talking about this, like, last episode, too. Have you noticed that, like um, – like I said, I'm an American, too. Have you noticed that a lot of Americans on Twitter just started watching football and they try to discredit, like, legends from the past? Oh, it's so disrespectful. So disrespectful. But, I mean, like, they – you cannot just like discredit what Pele, Maradona, all those players back then did. Like those are phenomenal all-time great players, but they're not 
Messi or Ronaldo. That's what I agree with them on. But, but like, I'm talking like, still... like more recently too. Like, for example, if someone was to look at KDB stats and like someone like Bastian Schwansteiger, they'd be like, oh, KDB is better because of goals and assists. Oh, no, no, yeah. I mean, there's more, there's more, you know, like stats now, I guess, like more, more opportunity. But anybody that watches bench like fucking Schwansteiger play in his prime knows that he was very complete as a midfielder, you know. He was a leader. Yeah, and yeah, especially that, you know. But I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is still sensational player he's, he's phenomenal no yeah but that's that's the problem with like with like football twitter i feel like once Pulisic went to chelsea i'm not subbing you eric once Pulisic went to chelsea all the americans started following chelsea and then they started looking up stats and comparing van percy to um to aguero or harry kane and stuff and it's just like it's disrespectful you know some like a player like paul scrolls same thing vidic um gerard guys like that they don't have, like, the stats, but, like, when you watch Wayne Rooney play, you know you were in for a treat. I just want to clear this up real quick. Pulisic is not the reason I'm a Chelsea fan, okay? I'm not, say- I, that's right. I'm not saying you, bro. I just want to clear that up real quick. <laughs> I have a very weird reason for why I started supporting Chelsea, but we don't need to get into it. But, yeah, that's – I mean – I'll be 2012, right? I mean, <laughs> look, I remember back in – I remember back in, like, fifth grade, I had a crush on this girl named Chelsea, right? Oh, my goodness. So, I would play this soccer game, and I saw Chelsea was a team. I always picked them. 15 years later or whatever, I'm getting into soccer, and I'm like, eh, you know, I'll just stick with Chelsea, and I'll go with them. And right now, like, and my favorite player isn't even Pulisic or anything. Like, my favorite player probably right now for Chelsea is Conte, and he hasn't been playing much lately, which kind of sucks, but he's probably my favorite player on there right now. So, I'm not just bandwagoning Chelsea just for Pulisic or anything like that. So, I just want to clear that up. Day, folks. <laughs> my soccer goat, my football goat is Messi. He has over 740 goals, six Ballon d'Or, most consecutive Ballon d'Or with four, most goals in La Liga all time, most assists in La Liga all time, most goals in a European season, most hat-tricks in the Champions League. Lionel Andres Messi is the greatest player of all time. And Ronaldo can chat to me when he takes his country to the World Cup final. Just, letting, just throwing that out there. Um, well, I- Oh, you can't just say that and then just, you know, forget about, you know, Nani fucking stepping in and that offside goal. That was, that was the Euros. That was the Euros. That would have been two Euro finals. What year? I believe 2012. 2012? You know, you know, how did Ronaldo do in that penalty shootout? I forgot. Not great, but he did score he didn't take the, the he goal. Didn't take a, he didn't take a penalty. Listen, man. When we when that game happened, I was so nervous. So, um, Eric, in the 2012 Champions League semifinals, we played Bayern actually, and we went to a penalty shootout. And Ramos sent it, the ball to the fucking moon. Like it was not like the penalty just it disappeared. That's how bad it was. He missed, Ronaldo missed, and Kaká missed. So in the semifinals of the Euros, we played Portugal. And Ramos was taking a penalty, and I was so nervous. And he just um, – there's a term called panenka. He panenka yeah. it, and it was just like, oh, my God. The Bulls. So, you had to look that up. You had to look up that Bayern Real Madrid game. That was quality football when, when football was great. Cause now I just watched the quick, like, 12-second video of the penalty, and Jesus Christ, he wasn't now even it's, close. Yeah, man. Um, oh, my goodness. I feel like for American football, not going to get any arguments. Tom Brady, we all agree? Yeah, Tom I Brady. agree. Yeah. Seven rings, five Super Bowl MVPs, three MVPs, two-time Offensive Player of the Year. Look up his stats. I mean, I'm not here to. I'm not. Maybe I'm not you, just, do uh, Giselle. 
that should be. <laughs> yeah, we've talked for like, <laughs> on like five straight episodes. We've talked about Brady and everything he's done. I mean, it was a hot topic, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. But we've talked about his greatness plenty enough to where I feel like we don't need any more explaining to yeah. do. If you disagree, then there. I feel like at this point, there's no help changing your mind. No, but, it's all universal, you know. Yeah, I think I think we've explained enough why we have Brady as the goat. Yeah. Yeah. So for basketball, there might be some controversy. Ahmed, you're our guest. Who well, you I, mean, I hope I hope there's no controversy here. This is this is one that I would hope we all agree. Yeah, Michael Grant Scalabrini. <laughs> oh, I'm close sorry. Second, close, close second, Scalabrini. Close second, man. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, as Skip Bayless says, is the greatest player to ever lace him up on a basketball court. Eric? Yeah, no, I, I've been pretty like solid on the stance that MJ's the GOAT. I do think LeBron is closing the gap. I think if LeBron wins a championship this year, it'll start to be a really, really good discussion to have. I mean, he'd only be one ring behind him for what that's worth. I mean, he, you could he he's probably going to be the leading scorer. He might hit 40,000 points. Like, he's going to be probably top three, four, whatever, in assists, top five, six. Like, he, I think his records are going to stand for himself. I think if he wins this year, it'll start to be a good debate. But as of right now, I still do have Jordan as the GOAT. Yeah, nobody nobody cares about that fake bubble ring. <coughs> Ahmed, so, oh Ahmed, we know that Twitter is a beautiful place, right? And there's this ongoing debate about records. Would you rather be 6-6 six and six in the finals or 6-0? Oh? I'd rather be 6-0, oh, obviously, I think. You think. Eric, what do you think? So I get the whole – I get both arguments, honestly, and I know some people instantly jump to one and get frustrated. But I, I think 6-6, six and six, you did make the finals more. Like, you made it to the goal more often. 6-0 and oh, – you were perfect on that stage. And the whole argument for being uh, for why 6-0 over 6-6 six and six is stupid is, oh, well, just because you lost earlier, you think that's better? Well, I mean, I don't think that necessarily means it. I, I think making it farther obviously is more important, but I think there's a lot of context that goes with it. Yeah, just, for, just for face value, 6-6 six and six probably would be better because you did make it farther each time. But the idea of being perfect and never losing on the big stage I think that might hold more weight, honestly. You expect Twitter to use context. That's oh, a, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, just yeah. Six, well, yeah. Six finals. I mean, it, it, if you still win six, yeah, you're still uh, winning the same amount, and not even allow a game seven. I think Michael Jordan sleeps fine at night knowing he went six and zero. Oh. That's what yeah, I'm saying. So and, that's and, what you know. And people look at it and they're like, oh, well, he, why didn't he go six and six? Then why didn't he make 12? Okay, he literally dominated the 90s. Like, nah. from 91 to 98, whenever he was in the NBA, he, he won. Like, the only season he played in the 90s that he didn't win was 1990, whenever he pushed the bad boy Pistons all by himself pretty much. Because even Pippen... I mean, I, I don't know if y'all seen the documentary. That I think, Pippen, yeah, yeah, like a like, yeah, he, he was going through some stuff. Like, he had migraines and all this. And then in 95, when he had just come back from baseball, which you can count that, but in full seasons he's played in the 90s, there's only one season he didn't win, and that was Wait, did he take, didn't he take the Pistons to seven in 90? Yeah, I think so. Seven, yeah. And six or seven, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, bro. And then won a championship. Listen yeah. – you know, Max Kellerman always says something, and it's so accurate. 
He says a lot I of s- things. No, uh, he does. But <laughs> this one thing about Michael Jordan is so accurate and, and it's so simple. The one time or as soon as Michael Jordan got one all-star that he can count on, one, not not Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and, you know, all this stuff. One, he never did not win the NBA championship under seven games, oh, six games. Damn. And he's he's he took two years off. So Hakeem Olajuwon is probably the luckiest man on the planet that he has two. So we could be talking about eight or no. It's just ridiculous. There's no debate for me. It's it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's hard to deny six Finals MVPs, six MVPs, five um, regular season MVPs. I mean, we could be here till midnight talking about Michael Jordan's um, resume, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the year before um, Phil went to go coach the Bulls. Mike had amazing stats. He averaged like 34 and eight, but then Phil got him into, but to bind to the triangle and he was scoring more and they were winning games. So did he really need to average like eight assists a game? No, no. And that's what, that's what I want to point out for some people who like, I, I've seen some people whenever they do the whole, LeBron MJ thing and some people and I don't even think this is a good way to compare players by saying well who's the best scorer who's the better rebounder who I don't think that's a good way to compare players because there's a lot of variables that go into that but we even saw MJ was a pretty damn good passer when he was asked to do it but it helped the team more when he was that scoring option and putting up 35 40 like, I think that we saw I don't know if y'all saw that side but it was like Zach Levine just became second all time in Bulls <laughs> franchise history. With Mike four, had like yeah, yeah, he had four. He just had his fourth forty-five plus point game in Bulls history, and in first place is Michael Jordan with I think seventy-three. Like that's that's just stupid, crazy to think about how insane he was as a scorer. He's the goat scorer. I don't I don't want to hear the Kevin Durant argument. Michael Jordan is the goat scorer. He's got ten scoring. Ten scoring titles, literally. <laughs> I, I, come on, bro. It, it, it's Michael Jordan. It's it's funny because um, Eric, I don't know if you saw the true shooting percentage graph that I put out. So yeah, I think so. So Mike's highest was like sixty point five percent, and people were saying, "Oh, what? Mike's overrated." As a shooting guard, that's ridiculous, bro. Especially back then with the back hand check. Okay, so it's funny. It's, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say it. So people were trying to discredit Mike, and they were like, "Oh, so much for the goat score." The average true shooting percentage in like 1988 was 53%. His was 60. So he was clear, cut clear, the most efficient player in the league, or one of, as a shooting guard. And then and the best two way player. And the best two way player. So enough with the shenanigans of trying to discredit him and the plumber era and all this BS and listening Stop to it, dumbass people on, on Twitter, what they have to say. Uh, and yeah, people, like, I didn't. Like, yeah, no, please. The film is there for one. And, and oh, Ahmed, that was the other thing. Um, a lot of people try to say that the last dance brainwashed people. What do you think about that? Brainwashed? No, no. All it did was just, you know, bring back, like, the truth, I would say. Because a lot of people were getting brainwashed by LeBron James. You know, three and six. Uh, you let Steph Curry win championships. You, uh, you let uh, KD, you know. Jason Mike never Terry. let Jason Terry, J.G. Barrea. Um, I can keep going, but Michael will never let anybody. <laughs> We're not here to sign to LeBron, folks. Don't get the difference is that Mike never let anybody eat, and LeBron's letting you know everybody eat. That's 
that's one difference. And that 2011, uh, you know, just meltdown, mm-hmm. that never happened to Michael Jordan. Never. I mean, to score eight points in, like, four consecutive fourth quarters, that's – yeah. come on, bro. Yeah, I just want to make two points real quick. One about the um, 2011 thing. I see some uh, people that are like, man, it was just one year. How long – y'all are just holding on to that because that's the only thing y'all have left. It matters, what? though. Like, that, it matters. You never – if Michael Jordan had a fall – like, if he fell apart as bad as 2011 LeBron did – we would be talking about it because it matters. If LeBron didn't have that, his GOAT argument would be a lot stronger because he probably has a he probably has another ring right now. He would have his chance to tie MJ this year, but he doesn't because he got outplayed by Jason Terry in the NBA Finals. And, I mean, there's other things too. Like, he got – and, you know, sorry, Andres, to bring it up, but he got, you know, ran off the court record margin in the NBA Finals, 4-1 against the Spurs. Oh Listen, he, um, he couldn't even give us one game against the Warriors. Like, I nobody expects you to beat the Warriors, but Allen Iverson would, like, Roger Bell as his second best player, won one game against the like those Lakers back then. LeBron James, yeah. I understand, I understand, you know, like that first game he dropped 50 and you know, JR Smith did all that, but he didn't score a point or he didn't make a field goal in that overtime, LeBron James. No, he I had free throws. That was it. Yeah, he had free throws. So, um, I understand, you know, you're pissed off. But if Michael Jordan was in that situation, he's not going to be crying on the bench. He, he's going to be like, okay, there's, there's five more minutes left. I can still win this game. And that's that's just more different. And yeah, yeah. say 2011 is the only thing. We could hold 2007, 2011, 2015, 2008, 2009, 2010, 20. There's a lot of things. You know, even do, what what was it? 2010, whenever he like fell apart against the Celtics too. Yeah, the game six. Like 2009, he was he folded matter. in the fourth quarter against the Magic. The Magic, come on, bro. This, oh, this, and the, the the second point I wanted to make real quick was about uh, the last dance brainwashing people in quotations brainwashing. What? I think if anything, that brought light to a lot of people. Like I remember exactly. seeing, I remember seeing people on Twitter, and it was like NBA players, like actual NBA players, tweeting, "Oh, Charles Barkley was nice like that." Bro, Stop how it. do you not know that? How do well, you not? <laughs> that just shows how little y'all know that he wasn't I'll, that good. He was an MVP. Like, come on, that just shows. Sometimes y'all are talking about stuff y'all just clearly don't know enough about. Exactly, bro. And just just going back to your point. There's people here actually comparing Draymond Green to Charles Barkley. Like, there is no comparison. No, Charles Barkley was one of the best players, like, probably a top five power four of all time. Yeah, and I think he's number four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's dropping 50 in NBA finals. If, if Michael Jordan is not in the NBA, you know, he might have a MVP and a finals MVP in one year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Charles and- Barkley is a real deal. To yeah, conclude on this basketball GOAT argument, um, every year that Mike won in the finals, he was either the MVP or he beat the MVP. So yeah. think about that. It's insane. Clyde um, Drexler. <laughs> I'm going to go with the quick sports that we know to not dive in too deep. Track and field, we all got Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, baby. Swimming, we got Michael Phelps, obviously. Yes, Michael sir. Phelps. Golf, we all got Tiger Woods. You know, I, I think that there was is close. A, that that oh, was actually close to me, too. Me too. Yeah. That him, was kind of close. Him and McElroy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> nah, I, feel, I just put Tiger because, like, that's the guy that we've seen and that, like, yeah, yeah. watch TV. I put, 
Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. I, I just put Tiger because we've seen him and, I mean, what he's done for the game. Like, he's made people who never even thought about playing golf start playing golf. I mean, that's African American. That's different. Yeah, and, you know, that's a whole different thing. I, th- I, think, you could, though. I think you can make an argument for Jack Nicholas because, like, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, definitely. I mean, if I think if you look at it in major titles, I think Tiger Woods got 15 and he has 18. Yeah, Jack yeah, Nicholas has three more. So I, I think I would lean Tiger Woods, but I, I don't know if I, I'd say that's an easy one. I, I could understand an argument for the other definitely. way. Hockey, we all got Mr. Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yeah. The great, the great one. Um, for Gretzky. women's tennis, we all have Serena Williams. Yes, sir. And Preg- the other pregnant day, and one. Yeah, I was. that's what I was telling Eric before. I wanted to leave it as a surprise for the show. Right. You want a grand slam while pregnant. Not a regular Masters 1000. A grand that, slam. That's one thing a man will never do. So that's one thing <laughs> she has over them. Yeah. So shout out to Serena Williams, man. We give out yeah. we give out flowers here. I I feel like like the other day, <clears throat> did you guys see the Tom Brady Serena Williams thing? I don't know if you guys saw it. That yeah, I mean I there. I agree. You know, like if you want to talk about dominating your sport, she is as lead as anybody ever. I mean, with Floyd, with you know those guys, she is as dominant as any athlete in her sport ever. She won a Grand Slam pregnant. That's it. Um, it's like right a little spicier. <laughs> baseball, who do we have? Or did, did you want to talk about men's tennis real quick, though? For men's tennis, who do you have? Well, uh, I didn't. You want to leave that to the end? We can leave that to the end if you want. All right. So, men's tennis, Ahmed, who do you have, bro, since you're our guest today? I got Roger Federer. Yes, sir. I have Federer, yeah. I have him also. Roger Federer has 20 Grand Slams. He has five Grand Slams in three different tournaments. And he's the only one to accomplish that feat. Um, everyone he's just likes a to cool talk guy, about, bro. <laughs> everyone likes cool to guy. talk about the clay merchant, but I'm sorry, he's not in that combo. And Djokovic could catch up, honestly. Yeah, I think. I think he will, unfortunately. Yeah, he's. And I have no problem with admitting that he's a great. He's a great tennis player. His work ethic is second to none. Um, he has his hot moments where he throws the racket and stuff, but. Um, watching Nola since I was a kid, like 10, 11 years old, has been special. And, like, why not, you know? Maybe in the next generation we see a better basketball player than LeBron or than Mike. Shoot, probably in 2050 we're going to have demigods running all over the court just yeah, exactly, like, shooting like Curry. So They're going to have, like, gene coding. They're going to have Michael Jordan's hops, <laughs> Steph Curry shooting, and yeah. some defense or something. That's what I'm saying. In 50 years, this LeBron-MJ debate is going to look funny because they're going to be like, are they even top five? Like, it's just going to – sports evolve – and humans evolve. Like, athletes are getting better as time goes on, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, baseball, I have Mr. Barry Bonds. Would you guys agree? Ooh. See? Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you say first because I, I – Wait, hold up. Uh, before we even say anything, I was I was listening to the podcast with you guys in uh, Tifu, <laughs> as you were saying. But, you know, you guys are talking about Barry Bonds, you know, being a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer, obviously, you know, before he ever even touched the juice. But to put him as the greatest player of all time, I mean, he he beat the record while on the juice. That's so, what I'm saying. I think I don't think like, he can that's a little disrespectful. That. Yeah, that's a little disrespectful. I mean, he's definitely a Hall of Famer, but to put him as the GOAT, it's just not fair in my point. So, so who do you have? Who do you have? 
I put Beirut. That's who I have. Thank you. Bro, I know that's controversial, but I'm sorry. I'm going Beirut still. He yeah. dominated his era. If we're comparing players to their era, he was – Oh, yeah, as, as dumb as anybody. Above. Like, he was hitting more home runs than some teams at some points. Like, come on, bro. Babe Ruth, he, he was doing – and he was a pitching at the same time. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too into it because I know that's a hot take. That's a rare opinion apparently now. But I don't think you can ignore that Bonds was juicing. when, And you could see an improvement. It's like he was a Hall of Fame player before it, but you still oh, yeah. saw the improvement once he did start doing it, and that matters. Oh, yeah, for sure. Seven like, times. Like he's not, he's not catching that record without the juice. Can you prove that? Oh my yeah. goodness! Can you know. prove that? It's it's a hypothetical. Okay, well you can look at a fact that, his, and the fact is his numbers went up once he got on it. Do you agree or disagree with that? That I do agree with, hundred percent. So the, the proof is in the pudding. How, how about the other guys like, like Roger Clemens and all that? Like for me, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think Roger Clemens is a Hall of Famer. No. I mean, I would have hit a home run off of yeah. him, but I was built different. <laughs> I mean, like I feel like Ted Williams deserves his flowers too for what he did. He's the best hitter of all time, arguably. I don't care if he's a Red Sox; he's probably the best hitter of all time. <laughs> yeah, but this guy's like Sammy Sosa and all that. Like those guys, if they don't touch the juice, they're probably not Hall of Famers. So it's different. Like Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer with juice or without juice. Now, I'm mad. I'm glad juice. you said that. I'm glad you said that. Do you think A-Rod is a Hall of Famer? I think A-Rod is a Hall of Famer because because before and you know he was he was probably the best player in the whole league, and yeah, that's it. He's he's a Hall of Famer. That's the yeah. second straight episode you've asked this. Do you not think he's one? Me? No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I love A-Rod. Oh, okay. I love I A-Rod. Say. Yeah, bro. A-Rod. Okay. A-Rod would have went to UM actually. The UEA. I, I I I strongly believe that A Rod should be a Hall of Famer. If Poppy is gonna get in, then sh- so should um A Rod. Yeah, yeah like- definitely. If if Poppy Ortiz gets in, then A Rod is like first ballot. Yeah, because A Rod had the better A Rod. Listen, A Rod was so good that Steinbrenner told Jeter he's playing shortstop and A Rod was playing third base. Like that's how good he was. Like A Rod was a better fielder than Jeter. He was a better oh, hitter. Was- he did everything better, but they didn't want. I'm not going to get controversial. They just didn't want a Hispanic man as the, as the face of the franchise. Exactly. I mean, you're totally right. There's any, any like, baseball fan knows that A-Rod was a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. Yeah. 100%. Especially in their prime. But you're right. Yeah, that's not even the Derek Jeter as a shortstop and the face of the Yankees, it was, you know, obviously better off uh, in, the, in the long run. Yeah. I feel like Steinbrenner forced him to retire. I just want to see one player hit 700 home runs in my lifetime. That's not Barry Bonds. Just one. A-Rod was, like, four home runs away. Pujols is, like, I think, like, 80-something away, if I'm not mistaken. Just want to see one. What do you, get, what do you guys think about Mike Trout? Uh, he could go down as the GOAT. I do feel like he's already better than Ken Griffey Jr. because of his gloves. Yeah. So, what do, you, what do you think? Man, I just wish that he would just have some kind of playoff, like, think, yeah, that's like just win bad. something, you know? Just make it, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, man. Er- yeah. Eric was telling me the other day, he was like, bro, I'll take George Springer over him. And I'm like, chill. I, I just want to clarify. Bro, I mean, I'll I take – never I'll, said that. I'll take <laughs> – never said that. This might be a hot take, but I'll take Mookie Betts over him. Ooh. Listen, I don't know. I, I love, don't – for me, Mookie, there's not a player in the league I would take yeah, over Mike I Trout. I feel like Mike Trout is – Yeah, it's tough, but I mean, Mookie Betts, he, he's doing everything and then but, in the playoffs. But, yeah, to your to your point, though, about the playoffs, he literally has one hit in the playoffs in his career. He's only played in three run. games. Yeah, it was a home run, but <laughs> one hit. Like, and it was a solo home run, too. Like, 
I, I don't know. I, he, he does need more playoff success. But when you do look at just, like, pure talent and what he's done in the regular season and stuff, and, I mean, Angels are kind of building a nice squad over there, so maybe they, yeah. they're slowly working it, it seems like. But that – man, they've been slowly building a team for years, and we still haven't seen it come together. So, I don't know, man. It's, Ahmed, it's so I was telling I was telling Eric, the way the Padres built around Tatis Jr. is the way that the Angels should have built around Trout. What do you think about that one? No, I mean, I love what the Padres are doing. Like – they were like a dead franchise just just not long ago, and now just one of the best young teams in, in all of baseball. I mean, you know, they start off like their farm system, and then when you got a chance to go get someone like Manny Machado, you do it. And a lot of people were saying, you know, he's getting paid too much. But look what he did last year. So all worked out for the Padres. Absolutely. So now we reach the the prime of the podcast for you guys. Boxing goats, Eric. I'm gonna go with you first. Who oh is- my goodness! I had okay. to go with you first, bro. Talk to me. <laughs> Look, sorry. There's a couple. There, I have three names written down. Get to the cream. One of them box. might be a little controversial, but he's my favorite boxer ever, and I think he does have a case. I don't know if it, it'll be. I know. I know what you're gonna say. I think you think. Okay. Well, I have Muhammad Ali. I have as one of them. I feel like yeah, yeah everything he definitely. did for the sport, his impact. He, I mean, and I think he lost four times in his career. He's like 46 and 448 and four something. I think, I don't know if he avenged all of them, but I think he avenged like two or three of his losses. And then a couple were at the end of his career when he was already, like in his yeah, prime, yeah. he was, you, I think Muhammad Ali speaks for himself. I have Sugar Ray also on there. I agree. You do? Okay. I, I figured you would. I feel like most people, I, I, I know a lot of people who don't typically watch boxing a lot, don't realize how great Sugar Ray was. Sugar Ray Robinson, of course. <laughs> yeah um yeah uh man i always forget there's two sugar rays I, st- I i don't know why that always slips my mind so easily um and then the one that i have he's my favorite boxer ever i don't know if it's who you're thinking of i have manny pacquiao on there. i know i knew we're gonna put manny pacquiao down. i he's my and favorite boxer ever listen i think he i think he's an eight division champion yeah eight like, divisions like bro. that that is mind-blowing and it, he started off his boxing career. I know this isn't going to go far in the GOAT debate, but it's just still crazy to me to think about. Whenever he started out as a pro, I think he was still 16 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was like 95 pounds. He wasn't even up the <laughs> weight limit. But like the how far he's come is insane. He has some tough losses on his resume, but he always bounces back and comes strong. He, I think it's – for me, and this is just my opinion, some people will disagree, I think it's more impressive to go to multiple different weight classes and consistently Definitely. show you can beat new competition than it is to just dominate one weight class for your entire career. Not, not pointing fingers at anyone specifically because in boxing, you typically see them go to different weight classes at least a little bit. But I feel like eight – like that. I think that speaks for itself also on why I think he's a – a, a shout for that. But those are the three names I've written down. I can understand a couple more, but those are the main three I have. Ahmed, the floor is yours, brother. I love the fact that you bring up Manny Pacquiao. I think that he should definitely get some some praise, especially going up eight divisions. I mean, this is a guy who's fighting at 118 pounds, and, and then he just beat uh, Keith Thurman, one of the best, you know, uh, fucking fighters at 147. So it's insane what he's doing. But – he wasn't even the best boxer of his own generation, so I cannot put him ahead Ooh. of Floyd Money Mayweather. But the greatest boxer of all time does not mean that he's the best. The greatest is Muhammad Ali. Without, without him, boxing is not the same. 
And then obviously, if we want to get to his career, you know, a fucking heavyweight champion beat uh, Frazier, beat George Foreman, the the hardest hitter in the history of boxing. It's not Mike Tyson. It's George Foreman. I mean, when when George Foreman used to hit people, they would like their body would go in the air. So it's ridiculous. The the greatest boxer of all time for me is Muhammad Ali. The best boxer of all time, best skills wise, is Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah, I, I I I could definitely understand that argument. I don't know. I haven't put too much thought into like skill because I try and I try and put like greatness and talent kind of in one together. But I can totally understand. That's why I do have Robinson, Sugar Ray. I have him and Ollie both as my first two names, and then I had Pacquiao as a third. I I think Muhammad Ali is the goat, and I definitely would agree that Robinson, or I I'd agree that Robinson has a case for like, yeah. the most skilled, like you said. All right, you have Muhammad Ali, 56 and 5 record, um, 37 knockout wins, 19 by decision. Um, I have a quick question. You guys would know more than me. Um, Julio Cesar Chavez has over 100 wins. Um, <laughs> is that like impressive or how do you guys like rank that? Well, he was like 88 and 0 before he even took his first L. Uh, it's very impressive, but he's but what's, uh, why isn't he like considered at all? Well, I mean, it's when you're fighting at the. Uh, like lower weight classes, you can fight more. I mean, there's guys back then that that you know that were fighting like like forty times a year. Yeah, like <laughs> I then. don't know if you know who uh, Archie Moore is. Yeah, oh, if you if you go think, all the way back think, to those days, I think he has a hundred like seventy five hundred eighty wins. So I mean, yeah. it, it it's just kind of different, especially because and he was he was born in like nineteen twenty. So like it, it was different back then, obviously than it is now. But just having a high volume of wins doesn't necessarily translate to instantly being the GOAT. And also in the same note, I don't think – and I'm not going to – I don't – I think Floyd Mayweather is the greatest defensive boxer ever. And yeah. I, I don't like the argument either. I saw on ESPN, they had Floyd Mayweather on there a few years ago, and they were, like, doing their top five rankings. And one of the guys had him as the fifth best boxer ever and had Muhammad Ali as one, which I agree, Muhammad Ali is one. But his reasoning for – why Mayweather wasn't as good is he was like, well, you didn't have any like straight up brawls like this. You didn't get into it. I don't think that's a good argument because why are you criticizing Mayweather for not getting into hard brawls because he just couldn't be touched? You like, can you you can make the argument that Floyd is the best boxer of all time just because of this because he's he's doing exactly what he's told: box mm-hmm. and not get hit. And he's the best to ever do it. He's the best defensive boxer ever. Like it's crazy how he walks away from fights against top ranked opponents untouched. Untouched. He he looks like he just woke up. Like he looks like he just went on a spa day and stuff. It's crazy how fresh he looks after fights like that. But the I like I said, I do think you could make an argument. I can see an argument for many. And I can see it like Pacquiao. I can see an argument for Mayweather as the greatest of this generation. I think I would still lean Pacquiao strictly for how many different weight classes he was able to do it in. And I think if you took them both at their natural weights, and if they were both the same natural weight and they were both in their prime, I think I would take Pacquiao probably in the fight. Today. Well, I mean, there's got to be like a mandatory piss uh, test before the fight uh, for Manny Pacquiao. That's that's what I would like to, to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so, okay, but also when we, talk, when we do – real quick, when we do talk about the – sorry that I'm getting into this. And no, no, I, you're like good. I said, I'm not trying to argue against Mayweather because I do think he's still obviously one of the greatest. I do think he's the greatest defensive boxer ever. I think he's one of the smartest minds ever. But whenever they did have their fight, he had like a destroyed shoulder. And I've read articles about this. I don't know 
what the 100% story is. But so Mayweather's always had like, not fragile, but his hands, oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like his hands, Very are, brittle I think hands. the word he used was like brittle and stuff like brittle, that. Just yeah. But he was allowed like the shot before to numb them pretty much and like prepare them for the fight. Whenever Pacquiao tried to get the same for his shoulder, they denied him of it. I don't see how that really makes any sense. Like how, 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 where's the logic behind that of denying one, but allowing the other. And I think, yeah, you, I mean, I don't know about that. Whenever I go back and rewatch the fight, because I've rewatched that fight about three times, and I do think Mayweather won, but I feel like you can see at different times that the shoulder was bothering Pacquiao, and that plays a part, I think. And also, I don't think Pacquiao was necessarily in his prime. So I want to see, I would have liked to see a prime Pacquiao versus a prime Mayweather. Um, you guys were talking about like age and stuff. Um, Canelo had 42 wins and he was 23 and they just threw him into the fire against Floyd. I don't know if you guys remember that fight. Yo, absolutely. I think, I think Floyd chose him. <laughs> it was smart. I think that, that was crazy. Cause I remember, I remember watching that live. Like I, I'm not, my, my boxing knowledge isn't zero, but I do remember like all the bandwagon fights, I guess you could call it. But I just remember him getting thrown into the fire. Um, do you guys want to see GGG Canelo chapter three, or are we done with that? There's, there's, I mean, I would love for that, but there's so many other options for yeah. Canelo at the no, moment. That, that's what I think. There, there's a, I, 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 Triple G is also one of my favorite fight, boxers ever. And I do think he won that first fight against Canelo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the second one was a lot closer. I, I could see that going to uh, Canelo, but I don't think we necessarily need a third fight. I mean, I think there are a lot more better fights you could make as of right now. I think they both kind of are going their separate way. And maybe if they both just keep running through the competition and there's nobody left again, okay, maybe we'd see that. But Triple G, how old is Triple G now? Like he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's 37, he's 38. Yeah, like so, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we need it. This kind of reminds me, and I know I'm jumping into the next topic already, but this reminds me of kind of McGregor Diaz. I don't know if I necessarily care to see a third one. Like, I feel like I'm kind of dragging it on. But – for Triple G Canelo, I don't think we necessarily need a third one, no. So for yeah. our last sport of the day, I'm sorry if your favorite sport didn't get um, shout. Oh wait, shout out to I don't want to mispronounce your last name, but the uh, gymnastic star Simona Simone Biles. Oh, Biles. Biles. Shout out to her. She's also in the go conversation with everyone else. But for our last sport of the day, UFC. Ahmed, take the mic, bro. Who do you have? This is going to be so controversial. Oh, um, God, I know what he's going for. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, I'm the biggest Khabib Nurmagomedov fan out there. But he hasn't done enough in my book, at least not yet. And I've been, I've been very consistent on that. The greatest right now is John Bones Jones. Never been defeated. Uh, most, most offenses uh, took out a whole division twice. Um, youngest champion in the history of UFC. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy, uh, like with with his, you know, his steroid use. If if there was any, his 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 off the, uh, you know, like outside the octagon shit. Yeah, but if we're talking about octagon, who's the greatest fighter that we've seen so far? It's John Jones. Eric, I know how much you love John Jones, so take the mic, please. Oh, I was, I'd rather you have said <laughs> me, or said Khabib. Um, look, I, I, for me, there's four 
like the Mount Rushmore, if we're yeah. talking about UFC specifically, I think like, cause MMA overall, you could pick some from Bellator, you could pick some from other ones, but if we're talking UFC specifically, I think there's four guys and that's Habib, John Jones, Anderson Silva, and GSP for me. I think I've seen some make the argument for Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, because Definitely. of like his technical ability. And I do. Like agree, he gets a lot of hate. Yeah, I, I think he is overhated at certain times, but I don't know if I'd have him on the same level as those four. So those four have solid arguments to me. I I don't know. Even right now, I put a lot of thought in this. I still don't know who I have as the goat. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be bold here. And I'm just going to go with Anderson Silva just based on one thing. One, I don't want to say John Jones. I will never say John Jones. That will never come out of my mouth that John Jones. Wait, why? I do not like John. I'm a Daniel Cormier fan. Yeah, bro, listen. I'm I'm T, I'm all AKA. You know what I'm saying? I'm DC. <laughs> yeah. But John Jones beat the shit out of him twice. He knocked him out once. <laughs> listen, uh, all I'm going to say is there's – I think you can see – I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing because I know how sensitive yes I'm calling them out some sensitive John Jones fanboys out there and I'm not saying this is you because I know you know your stuff and stuff but there's a lot of people it's the same McGregor and I'm glad you didn't say McGregor either I think he's quite overrated when some people talk about the GOAT I mean he doesn't have a single title defense I don't think yeah but I think McGregor is the same way where a lot of people who don't actually watch UFC or MMA will instantly just say, oh, well, McGregor's this, McGregor's that. I feel like John Jones has a lot of those people who never watch the sport, and then they watch those two fights per year that John Jones is in and instantly just say they know everything. That's what kind of annoys me. John Jones is – he's looked pretty much unstoppable in the ring. I personally do think he lost to Dominic Reyes. I think Dominic Reyes won rounds one, two, and three. I don't know what you think about that, but to me, he lost that fight. He did lose a t- title defense in that opinion. And I know you could say, well, technically he didn't. I hate the idea of letting three judges that I don't know base my entire opinion on. In my opinion, he did lose that fight. I know you can't hold it against him necessarily, but he did. Even the fight before that against Santos, he looked defeated pretty much in that fight. Santos was fighting on one leg the entire fight and made it a split decision. Like, John Jones has looked very beatable. And why, when that's come, when he started looking very beatable, is right when all this came out about him taking steroids and it looks like he's off of it now, all of a sudden he looks very beatable. I don't know if that's a coincidence. I really don't think that's a coincidence. I think, obviously, he's one of the most skilled ever, but I think the juice helped him a lot in a lot of those fights. Like Gustafson, the first fight, I think that helped him. The, uh, the first fight, it was close. I mean, you could argue that he lost that fight. Yeah, I agree. And I think, that, I think he was on the, the juice f- for that fight. That was the fight that that he didn't train for, he said. That he didn't train at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's another thing that annoys him. You can literally go on Wikipedia. For anyone listening, go on Wikipedia, search John Jones. There's literally a controversy section that you can scroll (laughs) for a day on. Like, one, and I am biased. I don't think John Jones is a very good human being in general. Like, I just don't like him as a person, so I will not say that. I'm going to go with Anderson Silva. All right, just because I think Anderson Silva in his prime, I think he had, like, 14 straight – Fight. 16, 16, 16. Yeah, he had some insane run where he just was unstoppable. He would literally walk up to dudes with his hands down by his waist, not scared at all, and end them within second. Like, I think he had, I don't remember exactly what the run was, but it was a certain amount of fights he had where he won like 13 out of 15 or something like that in the second or first <clears> round. <throat> like, he was just in his prime. 
I think you could argue that his prime is the best prime ever. I think if I had to rank those top four, though, I'd probably go – I don't know. It's so tough. I, I don't uh, – uh, Hold I don't on. I think, I think it could be – Let me just say this. Fourth out of that. Let me just say but, this. Anderson Silva, I think, is definitely one of the greatest of all time. But he also has some controversial stuff going on with, and, with steroid use. Here's what I want to say about that, though, is USADA came into the UFC and partnered with the UFC on July 1st, 2015. Before that, you, you like, I, I know there's been a lot of fighters that have come out and talked about it, but a ton of people were doping and using uh, PEDs in the UFC. John Jones was taking it after USADA came in and was finally getting caught. So I think, I think the era has completely changed because back then, there was a lot of people doing it, and Anderson Silva, while he might have been on it, he and I do think that it holds him back a little bit. I can understand using that as an argument. He was also beating guys on it, though. John Jones had the advantage of using it against some guys who weren't on it, and I think that plays a part. That's a good point, but I also think that he was probably like fighting some guys that were on it too. Like no, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Before 2015, I'm sure he was. Like, I, and I, I don't know you, you. I don't think you'll ever have the answer of who was on it and who wasn't, and who was on it for what fights and who wasn't. That's why. Uh, and one thing that does annoy me is when people go back to look at that Johnny Hendricks and GSP fight. People get so annoyed that GSP won that fight because Johnny Hendricks clearly won. Well, Hendricks was on PED yeah. in that fight, so I mean, yeah, he tested positive. Yeah, he tested positive. So like. What I don't know. I, to me, that wrongs. You could argue the decision was wrong, but that writes that wrong, in my opinion, that he was doing it, and that was karma for him, honestly. I have um, GSP as my goat. I, I, I'm 100% fine with that opinion. I'd go back and forth. I, I, I could see that. 26 and 2 record, 8 by knockout, 6 by submission, 12 by decision. I, I got no, I got no problem with that. It's just that you know he was finished twice, and there was other guys that have never been finished, like Habib Nurmagomedov, like John Jones. But obviously, there's there's always going to be, you know, some controversy going on. Ooh, that's one point I did want to make. Going back to whenever I was talking about Pacquiao, the uh, like going up to different weight classes, I think that's one thing that would have for sure helped Khabib's argument a lot. Is 
he did stay comfortable in his division. And I will say this. He is the most dominant fighter we've probably ever seen. I mean, he lost one round in his entire career, which Arguably. is unheard of. But if he, if he had gone up or gone down and won, I don't think going down, I, no. I think going up would have been uh, the option. But if he did that, that would probably ju- – and ended up winning as well in a welterweight. I think he would, he, he'd probably be my goat if he ended up doing that. But I do want to say, last thing I'm going to say on this is, I Dana White has annoyed me with this whole Habib situation. He clearly stated that he does not want to fight without his father here. And he said he wants to retire. He said that's what his mom wanted. That's what his whole team wanted. And Dana White is like pressuring him into doing this. And Dana White is someone who's always talked about when a fighter is ready to stop, they should stop and not let anyone talk them into it. He's being a yeah. hypocrite right now, and that's the thing that's annoying me about it. I will just say this about Habib. And I'll say it again. I'm the biggest fucking Habib fan out there. But it's hard for me to believe that at 29-0, and 0, after you just beat uh, Justin Gaethje, that you just walk away and then you don't have any love for the game. There's no doubt that he still loves his game and he still mm-hmm. like, actually you know, wants to fight. I just think that there's nobody out there right now. And you know, the fact that Dana is trying to, you know, say, like, maybe fight anyone. Okay, yeah, that, that I don't like. like. Like, Habib shouldn't fight anybody that he's going to be, like, a 2,000 favorite uh, up on them. But if you're Dana White, you should, like, this is exactly what you got to do, especially, you know, as, like, a promoter. I mean, Habib is, is, is box office like any other guy. There's only one other guy that's probably ahead of him, and that's Connor. So as a promoter, you have to try to keep him. But I mean, I get your argument that you know if he I, wants to be gone, he's he's gone. But yeah, I, I understand it from a, a promoter mindset for sure. But I don't think he wants to be gone. I just think that he has no choice. That there's nobody here that's going to give him a challenge. And until we find that that guy, it could be uh, Hamzat, it could be Connor if he if he beats everybody and wins the championship again. It could be uh, I don't know. Maybe it's that 170 belt. We don't know, and but that that'd be what I'd want to see most. Like if he went up to fight Kamaru Usman, I think that would be one of the biggest fights in UFC history. But I have to say, I am pretty glad, honestly, that Connor lost just so we don't have to hear the whole oh Connor would be Habib. Connor would do the if Habib and Connor fought again, it would be oh, just no. like the first one. Habib, of course, again. of course. But the the only thing, uh, like the only reason why. I mean, I wasn't rooting for Connor. I mean, I love Dustin Poirier. He's, you know, like a, a real stud out there and everything. But if Connor would have won, there would have been a way better chance that we actually see Habib back. So that's yeah, only I, I agree with that. Um, Ahmed, on the last episode, um, Tifu concluded with shout out to Eli fucking Manning. Is there <laughs> anything you want to say before we end this episode? Give a shout out to your pod where we could find you. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, shout out to Bayern Munich. Shout out to the reigning defending champions of every competition there is out there to win. Oh, we won brother. it. Uh, six for six, call me MJ, Mr. Trouble. That's what it is. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. But yeah, uh, you know, obviously, Shirt for Skins. You guys can find us on Twitter, on YouTube. I think it's at Shirt vs. Skin. Shirt vs. Shirt v. Skin. Uh, yeah. Eric, any last words? Uh, I'm excited for the fight tonight. Let's go Kamaru Usman. I'm going for him. I got him by 
Ooh, I'm gonna take him by decision. Ooh, by decision. Fire. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the conclusion of episode six of the Sports Fellas Podcast. Make sure you like, share, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your friends to tell your friends, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on, brother. Yes, sir.